Hi everyone. Welcome to episode two of the From the Outside with Sarah C podcast. I am Sarah Crosscut, the host and creator of this podcast and the owner and facilitator of From the Outside, a series of plant and nature-based lessons that help us to cultivate a deeper relationship to the natural world, ourselves, and each other. In addition, I am a published environmental writer. My work has been included in several anthologies published by Plants and Poetry Journal and Wild Roof Journal. You can learn more and find links on my website, www.fromtheoutsidellc.com. In this episode two, which I am calling Nature is Magic, I am exploring nature's magic through storytelling in my writing. So last October, I was honored to be chosen to facilitate a workshop at a national conference in Tucson, Arizona. I spent a week exploring the Sonoran Desert, museums, botanical gardens, parks, and Biosphere 2. Some of you may remember the Biosphere 2 experiment in 1991. I think there was a second one that started in 1994, if I'm not mistaken. Well, when I was a classroom teacher, my students learned about this project. So I was thrilled to be a stone's throw away from Oracle, Arizona and able to visit and tour the grounds and buildings. I was completely geeked out. It was quite the experience. I had always told my students, if you ever find yourself in the middle of the Arizona desert, be sure and visit Biosphere 2. And that's where I found myself. And it was just a really surreal, amazing experience. The Sonoran Desert was magical as well. Here is an essay I wrote to convey the magic I felt. Nature is magic. She provides us with a vast variety of landscapes and opportunities in which to immerse and restore ourselves. Her remedies are limitless. A daily dose of the outdoors saturates our senses and encourages emotions like joy, gratitude, peace, and awe. It clarifies our thoughts, centers our awareness, and calms our anxiety. Nature's countless concoctions connect us wholly to ourselves and our own magic. We are nature, and so therefore, we are magic. Recently, I spent time in the Sonoran Desert outside of Tucson, Arizona. Living along the East Coast for the last few decades, I was delighted to discover the distinctively different desert flora. The spectacular species of succulents and copious collections of cacti caught my curious eye. However, none of these significant species of the Sonoran Desert so swiftly swayed my sight as the spectacular saguaro cactus. These towering tree-like time-worn columnar cacti are the sacred symbol of the Sonoran Desert. The creation stories of the ancestral and present native inhabitants of this land, the Hohokam and Tohono O'odham, are saturated with the sanctity of the saguaro's origin and the significance of this species to their subsistence. The saguaro fruit is faithfully harvested by the Tohono O'odham people and feeds their livelihood. Each saguaro is an honorable relative, an ancestor that has passed on, 
returning to watch over them and sustain them physically and spiritually. I too felt the presence of the saguaro. By day, their ancient arms reaching out lovingly to me, welcoming me into their arid, acuminous landscape. I stood in their prominent presence, human-like in their habitat, hearing their whispers of wisdom. As the light drained from the sky at sunset, their shapes and silhouetted shadows were spellbinding. They danced joyfully. Their ancient, acicular appendages extended externally towards the sky or encircled a, a contiguous cactus like the cradle of an ancestral mother or the amorous embrace of a beloved. The saguaro are people too. Even in death, the woody skeletons of the saguaro are stunningly similar in appearance to other species, including humans. As humans, our relationships with other humans are ideally cultivated with purpose and intention, yet sometimes this may not be so. We sense ourselves still feeling lonely, disconnected, and insignificant. We should not limit ourselves to the human-to-human -human experience. We need to explore and expand our interactions to the non-human entities with which we share our creation, our source of life, and our planet. Nature and life in general is creative and transformative. Every being has a purpose and a part. Consciously cultivating our communion to the nature collective leads us to experience emotions like joy, wonder, awe, and gratitude. We honor harmony, balance, peace, and beauty as we immerse ourselves as an integral part of the system that sustains us. Standing fully connected in the bigger picture of life, we discover our planetary place, purpose, and power, our magic. So nature is magic. It jumpstarts our joy, it cultivates our curiosity, and it awakens our awe. Certainly, as children, if we spent any amount of time outdoors, we found the magic in nature. And usually with children, it's just a very natural connection it just happens. So fireflies, dandelions, insects, worms, stars, flowers, dirt, four-leaf clovers, all of it was magical. And we were an integral part of that magic. As adults, we may lose some of that magical connection, especially in our everyday experiences with nature. I think as children, they connect with their whole bodies, all of their senses. So a bucket list adventure is no doubt magical, but even our backyard encounters with nature can be enchanting. Well, how? So we need to kind of think like we did when we were children. Well, if we connect to nature with our whole bodies, think back to your positive experiences in nature as a child. You touched everything, worms, slugs, dirt, bugs, you waded in creeks or you swam in ponds, maybe in your backyard. You smelled everything, flowers, grass, bark, pine needles. Maybe you rolled around in the grass looking for four-leaf clovers, rolling down hills, jumping in leaf piles. 
Maybe you made a fort with logs and used pine needles as the floor. Skipping stones. Your ears were always on high alert for bird songs, for throwing the biggest stones in the creek to see which one made the loudest and biggest splash. Your eyes had a keen sense of observation and your mind was curious. You may have eaten stuff you weren't supposed to. Maybe a childhood dare. Or maybe you grew up with a parent who foraged and so you knew you could eat wild onion or different chickweed or whatever you went foraging for, certain kinds of mushrooms. Maybe you worked alongside a parent, a grandparent, or a caregiver in a vegetable or a flower garden. Pruning, weeding, watering, harvesting, um, one for me, one for you type situation if you were picking berries or green beans or tomatoes. And many of those things that we do, those kind of mundane chores that keeps our flower garden or a vegetable garden growing are things that we can connect with nature in a very sacred way. So they're very important tasks, not only for the health and survival of our garden, but for our own health and survival as we connect with nature in a very natural and sacred way. Maybe you went hunting or fishing as a child. Uh, maybe you were in a family that grew their own food and hunted their own meat. So all of those are very important ways that we connect with nature. But we connected wholly with our bodies, especially as children. We were very much in the sensory world of nature. But as adults, maybe it's not so easy we need to be more purposeful and intentional in connecting with nature. We are distracted by outdoor chores. So when we go outside, there's often raking, weeding, mowing, or other obligations, like a quick dog walk. I need to walk the dog, but while I'm walking the dog, I'm gonna answer this work call. Maybe it's a piece of technology that keeps your focus on minutes and mileage rather than flora and fauna while you're outside. All of these things that we do are a part of our daily life, but perhaps we can set aside a few minutes each day to purposefully and intentionally connect to our natural world with our whole body and breath. Listen, smell, feel, see, and breathe, and even taste if it's applicable. In remembering our childhood connections to nature, as adults, we can change our perspective. We can look at nature, even our backyards, through a child's perspective, like you are seeing it for the first time. So I grew up in Mentor, Ohio, just outside of Cleveland, and firefly catching was a big deal when I was a kid. It was a thing that every kid in the neighborhood participated in most summer evenings. We had our glass jars. I'm going to say it was usually a peanut butter jar. 
if you remember peanut butter, I guess some peanut butter still comes in glass, but um, we would poke holes in the metal top, screw top lid, and the grass and the sticks were neatly arranged just so, creating our little habitat for our fireflies. There seemed to be an abundance of these bioluminescent bugs. I remember chasing them around well after dark in my bare feet in the grass. I was mesmerized by their magic. My sister was usually with me, so we were running around together. When my children were young, they too engaged in the magical frenzy of firefly chasing. My children are now grown. Um, and so for years, I have just simply acknowledged the fireflies flashing lights as they appear collectively at dusk on a summer's evening. I do notice them, but I don't engage with fireflies like I did when I was a child or when my children were young. So, but let's fast forward to an experience that I had in 2016 during one of my visits to, many visits to Shenandoah National Park. So let me first say, let me give you the background um, with Shenandoah National Park. It is a giant exhale for me. I moved to Virginia in 1991, 1990, and since then it has been a very special place. I have spent so much time in Shenandoah National Park. It is a place filled with memories of camping and hiking with my children. I've taken my students there to camp and hike. I completed my first solo hike and camping trip there, I remember sitting on the Skyland Terrace, sipping my coffee, very teary-eyed and overcome with gratitude and pride in what I had accomplished. I have wandered a multitude of the park's trails, studied its history and geology, and processed grief lying amongst the wildflowers in big meadows. My connection to Shenandoah National Park is profound. It is a special place to my grandchildren as well, so much so that my oldest daughter chose to be married there. So I have a very deep connection to that place. So back to 2016, I had a very enchanted firefly encounter. So in early summer, about seven years ago, I was backcountry camping with two other women on our last night, deep in the woods, we had hiked for three days, I think, and spent two nights in the woods, or maybe it was four days and three nights, I can't quite remember. But on our last night, deep in the woods, we were reflecting on our, I guess it was three days in the wilderness. Keep in mind, we were deep in the woods. This was not, you know, camping at Big Meadows. We had been hiking and we were in the wilderness areas of Shenandoah National Park and it was pitch black. We were we had finished as we were finishing sharing our thoughts we were kind of sitting around um, a little candle because fires in the backcountry are not permitted in Shenandoah National Park so 
we had a little, I don't know what it was, maybe it was our camp light. I can't quite remember somebody's headlight, but we had kind of created this circle and we were sharing pretty deeply about our experience that we had had together and also our experience connecting with nature for those few days that we were there. So I looked up and I saw this bright light far off in the woods, or it seemed far off. Sometimes it's hard to judge when it's so dark and it's really dark. So it's hard to judge where you are and how far things are. But for a moment, I thought it was a person with a headlamp walking towards us. I remember distinctly feeling that way. And then I said, wait a second. I'm in the middle middle of the wilderness in Shenandoah National Park. That is not a person coming towards us. So at the same moment or just split seconds later, the darkness lit up with a curtain of fireflies blinking their beautiful bioluminescent light. I mean, it lit up the forest. It was like a fairy tale. And so amongst this cacophony of crickets going on as well, came a collective wow um, from me and the two women that I was with. It was absolutely magical. It was one of the most magical moments I have ever experienced in nature. It was something that I would have never seen, I don't think, if I hadn't been in that place in the dark during that time of year. So in that moment, I remembered something that I did as a child and with my children. And now as an adult in a different landscape with a different perspective was equally as chanting as when I was five or six or seven running around my backyard in Ohio catching fireflies. It was amazing. Reconnecting to that magic. And I have had many extraordinary big bucket adventures in nature that have conjured up emotions that have brought me to my knees. In fact, there are some In my last podcast, I talked about living in Alaska and seeing the Northern Lights for the very first time. It had been the number one thing on my bucket list. And seeing them for the first time, I cried like a baby. I was so overwhelmed and overcome by emotion and gratitude and joy and awe that I literally fell to my knees and was just sobbing. It was just such an amazing experience. So in my deep and sacred relationship with nature, my purposeful and intentional connection, I've experienced as many, probably more of these enchanted encounters in my backyard and walks in my local park. So I think a lot of it is slowing down, connecting with our whole bodies and changing our perspective that helps us to rediscover the magic of nature. As we do, our connection deepens not just to nature, our source of life, but to ourselves as we embrace our purpose and our part 
in the bigger picture, we begin to see those things. We begin to feel that sense of belonging to the source of life that we are part of, an integral part of this big picture on our planet. We unearth our authenticity. We fully feel and immerse ourselves in our emotions and grow our sense of harmony, balance, and belonging. So I had a similar experience when I traveled out west. My son and his wife lived in Grand Junction, Colorado for a while. So my youngest daughter and I took two weeks and traveled out there, I think it was 2021, a couple summers ago. And I had an equally, I mean, there was lots of, talk about a big bucket adventure. There was lots of things that I saw, lots of places I went to that just had my jaw on the ground. Um, But I wrote this essay about Zion National Park. We didn't spend a lot of time there. We kind of drove through on our way back to Colorado, but nonetheless, it was an amazing experience. I had spent a lot of the two weeks that we were there kind of high up looking down. So like the Grand Canyon, you're high up, you're looking down. Um, I went to the Black Canyon of the Gunnison National Park. Again, you're high up looking down. Um, The Colorado National Monument, you're high up looking down. So in Zion, once you drive down to the bottom, you are in the valley, you're in the canyon, and you have all of the... um, landscape above you. So it was a little bit different perspective. And I wrote about it because I was very overcome. We happened to go during a thunderstorm. And so we got to see a lot of water movement. And and it was, it was very, very cool. So I wrote about it because it, it spoke to me. So the name of the essay is Sanctuary. I have spent the last few decades living outside of Richmond, Virginia, and I am only a couple hours from Shenandoah National Park. Rich in history and wildlife, this park has become a touchstone for my family and me. My children grew up hiking and camping in this sacred space, wading in the water holes, scrambling steep stony rock falls, and marveling at the magical monarch butterfly larvae munching on milkweed. A trip down scenic Skyline Drive and traveling the time-worn trails from open overlooks to cavernous canyons expands my senses and awakens my awareness. Originally, Zion National Park, located in southern Utah, the ancestral and historical lands of the Pueblo and southern Paiute peoples, as well as ancient indigenous people, was given the name Mukuntuwep, a Paiute word that is believed to mean straight canyon. In the late 1800s, Mormon pioneers bestowed the name Zion on the area, an ancient Hebrew word meaning refuge or sanctuary. Recently, I visited this picturesque park and stood solely in the sanctity of its scenery. A storm system settled in overhead, enveloping the enormous escarpments as it surrendered its superfluous contents creating cascades of rifling water mixed with sanguine sandstone. Through the vacillating veil of storm clouds peered the rock faces, 
respectfully referred to as the Watchmen, Angel's Landing, the Sentinel, and the Temple of Sinawava. Named to honor the Paiute's coyote god or spirit. Awash in awe and replete in reverence, I felt the protective presence of these prodigious peaks. My sense of self fell away as I stood in the shadow of something bigger. My revered relationship with the natural world has substantiated my sense of humility and feelings of a smaller self as I am reminded of my interconnectedness to a larger sphere. I am drawn out of self-interest into the concerns of the social collective and whole community. Exposing myself to awe-inspiring experiences, especially those in nature, big or small, leads me to focus on what is truly important. We have the world at our fingertips, but many of us long for a more passionate, healing, engaged, and sacred connection to others. What if we are intentional in seeking out our sanctuary and inviting others into the reach of our refuge? Would it provoke us to experience all collectively and stand in the bigness of it together? Aroused by those around us, can we embody our awe-inspiring moments that touch us deeply to grow our joy, our creativity, and our community? Thank you so much for listening. And I encourage you to venture out to your backyard, a local park, a green space near where you work, and spend a few minutes purposefully and intentionally connecting with nature. Use your whole body. Really integrate into your being what you see, smell, hear, feel, and taste, if applicable. Record what you notice, how you feel, in a journal or in audio on your phone or notes on your phone. Look at nature through a different perspective, a child's view. Find nature's magic and in turn discover your own. We are all connected to the source of life and each other. With that said, you can connect with me through my website www.fromtheoutsidellc.com or on Instagram. I'm Sarah C underscore outside. Links to podcast, website, publications, webinars, and all the things can be found there. So until next time, get outside and take care. <laughs>